0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: It is Thursday, June 13th, 2019, And this is the MMA Beat. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, As you can see, oh yeah, I'm from SiriusXM and MMA Fighting, of course. As you can see, uh, we have an esteemed panel here with a little bit of a different twist today, a couple of different twists. Number one, I think it's the first time we've ever had two female panelists at once. We've always only had one, which is sort of an indictment about what we're doing here. Uh, And then also, you can see we have a special guest. Let's go down the line. To my left is Danny Segura from MMA Fighting. To his left is the Bellator flyweight champion, Ilima Le McFarland. How are you? Hi,
0: I'm great. Thank Very you.
1: Hawaiian with the uh, flower in your ear? That's my trademark. Very on yeah. brand. Yeah. Yes. And at the end of the table, you know her from uh, Access TV, from UFC Unfiltered, from the MMA, or excuse me, from the In Fighting Shape podcast. It is Phoenix Cornavalli. Hi, Phoenix. Hey,
2: what's up, guys? Here
1: we go. Good. I can't believe we had to do 200 shows before we had two female panelists <laughs> at once. But better late than never, I guess. Uh, and welcome. Thank you for coming. All right, let's get started. We have the big event in New York City this week. In fact, Danny came here 20 minutes ago from it. About 15. About 15, about 15. yeah. We were kind of close here. Uh, it's the Bellator 222 weigh-ins, of course, were today because tomorrow is Bellator 222. They returned to the scene of the crime at Madison Square Garden. It's a big card. There's a lot of moving parts on it. Danny, I'm going to start with you and we'll work our way down. All right, main event. Rory McDonald. First of all, wasn't the main event. It was going to be Rory versus um, Neiman Gracie as the co-main and they decided to make it the main. That's not what I'm, I'm focused on. The big storyline heading into today's uh, event, uh, tomorrow's event, I should say, was Rory, after beating John Fitch, says, You know what? I don't know if I have the spirit, the constitution to keep hurting another person in the way that uh, I have been. You talked to him this week. I did. What kind of vibe do you get from him now?
3: You know, he, he said he was uh, pretty, he had perfect clarity. That's what he told me. And it, it kind of felt that way. And he, he said that the John Fitch fight was basically a bridge between his old self and, and this new stage that he is, he is in now. And he described it as a new chapter of his career. Um, I guess we'll only find out for sure once he steps in, in that cage on, on Friday. But I get the sense that we do have, we might have a different version of Roy McDonald, but we do have the full version of him. Different how? Um, well, he said it himself. You know, he he was telling me like, look, before I was just a kid coming up, some angry kid coming up. You know, just trying to you know prove a point. Now all of a sudden, I am a champion. I I am an established name. You know, I have a house, I have a wife, I have children. A lot has changed in his life. I feel like now he's perhaps maybe a little more measured and 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 sort of the idea of going in there and proving a point you know this young kid it, 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 that's no longer there he's mm-hmm. no longer that person now he's a champion he's he's there to defend his belt he's taking a newcomer technically with Neiman. so he he never really realized the switch of positions until now um and you know again we will only really find out once he steps fo- you know sets foot in that uh, cage, but
1: I I do think we get the we're gonna get the full version of. Rogue. What do you think? You heard the comments. You're a competitor. Yep. When so a competitor says something like that, it does catch people's attention.
0: Yeah, in fact, I actually was on that card with him. That was my uh, third title defense against Vida Ortega. And I'm backstage in the locker room and everybody's texting me, like, hey, what's going on with what? Like, did you watch the fight? And you know, I was watching it in and out and everything. And and yeah, when I heard what he said, I actually I was just like, I get it. I totally understand where he's coming from. You know, it's just again, it's a different chapter of his life. He has a family now. And I actually spoke with him on the phone yesterday because I will be doing the fight analysis on the desk Good for you. On, That's this awesome. Friday night. Yeah. 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 So I got to I was on the other side of the table, yeah. uh, interviewing the fighters yeah. this time while they were all cutting weight. Well harder than it looks. I had like my <laughs> tea and everything. So um, but yeah, so I he he reiterated what, what Danny had said that, you know, as when he first started fighting, that was all he had. All he had was fighting. That he had something to prove. And now, that again, he's a world champion, and he has his second baby on the way. Um, you know, he's married, and he and he found a relationship with with a higher power. That yeah, this is this is just a new chapter of his life. And and we asked him, well, you know, when people say that that you're a killer, you know, when people say that that you're going to go out and kill someone, is are we going to get that Rory? And he says, you're not going to get the killer Rory, but you are going to get a very highly technical uh, and skilled Rory McDonald this Hmm. Friday. What do you make of the whole thing? I
2: think that in different stages and different ages of your life, there are different versions of you. And I think that counts for fighting as well. And I think when you do interviews directly after a fight, sometimes it's different than how you feel even two weeks later for, for all fighters, right? I mean, if you, you we've all trained, you've gone through super hard training, super hard sparring sessions and gone home in pain and been like, why the hell do I do this? Why don't I like floral decoration? What am I thinking? Then you take three days away from the gym and you can't wait to get back in there. you watch some technique video and you're like excited to train again. And I think maybe our younger selves are the more adrenaline, testosterone versions, and our older selves are the more technical, smart, advanced, sort of um, competitive type of fighters where those emotions change and shift. And that might be where he is. I hope that's where he is. I've always enjoyed Rory McDonald. And uh, let's see. Let's see where he is right now. I
3: think there's also questions from a media standpoint as far as, like, how did we make it a bigger deal than what it actually was? Because— also, uh, I remember Rose Nema also had similar comments mm-hmm. in the sense that she's like, well, I don't know if I'm feeling this. And then you talk to um, Nina Ansaroff, you know, who, who who fought, you know, later. And she was like, yeah, I've, I've had those feelings mm-hmm. as well. I just don't vocalize them. I just don't say them. And we know Rory's very honest and, and yeah. just says that. So I feel like, you know, fighters, uh, you know, for the most part, they they try to put on uh, a certain, you know, personas. And they're maybe not, not really as open with their feelings as, as others. So I feel like maybe as a media, you know, Media just got caught, you know, by surprise by those comments and maybe blew them up a little more. When maybe it's something that, it's a little more common that fighters go through it. They just perhaps, you know, internalize
1: it and, and then vocalize it. I'll buy that. But what I also will buy is that fighters, all not often, fighters sometimes lose their edge. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. There's a fighter right now in my head. I don't want to say his name because it'll just cause a huge controversy. But if you get into the game because you're an angry young man... You, I have seen people be able to switch gears and be able to turn that into something else when they're no longer angry. I have also seen it pull the air right out of the balloon before, and they just can't hit another gear. Talking about Rocky Balboa? It, it's <laughs> li- a little bit. But the point being is um, if, if what drove you was some kind of internal rage, what happens when you're no longer filled with rage? Some people find a new purpose, but some don't. And I don't judge the ones who don't. It's just worth acknowledging um, we don't know. Right, the only we way know. we're going to find out is tomorrow, and then even then, even that might not tell you. Because by the way, Neiman Gracie is very good. Maybe Neiman Gracie beats a hundred percent Rory McDonald. Like we don't, sure. we don't actually know. So actually, it's going to take a body of work to figure that out. But in the case of like Gustafson versus Rich Franklin, it's a little bit of a different scenario. But what happens when your whole purpose is I'm going to be the best, and then you realize you're not? Some guys just say I, I quit, and some guys like Rich Franklin are like, okay, I'll just keep fighting and making money and knocking out Chuck Liddell. Like it, the, not everyone. Reacts the same. Um, again, Neiman Gracie. Pick up anything from him? We had him here in studio. Yeah, Just seems like a nice jujitsu surfer. I don't know what else <laughs> yeah, to say, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? I mean, you
3: know, this it's crazy because this is his 10th professional fight. You would think that somebody that just is 10 fights into a career, you know, perhaps wouldn't be, you know, in this in this stage, you know, headlining a card against Rory, who's obviously a big name. But he feels very comfortable with, with the whole situation. He doesn't feel, you know, uh, like there's any extra pressure. He doesn't feel like, you know, like this is the moment. He has to get it. He's very relaxed about it. Um, and something that's interesting, I feel like a, a big storyline that's getting, you know, kind of pushed away, Well, probably also because of the whole Rory comments, um, it's the fact that we know that Rory already is one of the best fighters, by far. Even if he loses, he's still one of the top welterweights, I he's think. He's arguably Bellator's best ever acquisition. Yeah, exactly. Now, Neiman Gracie, I think he has the opportunity to enter that conversation easy. Think about it, if he, if he beats Rory, that's a huge win, and then he becomes champion. And then if he wins the tournament, that means he has to pick a, a win over uh, Douglas Lima, who's a stud, probably one of the most underrated fighters, and already beat Ed Ruth, and already beat Ed Ruth. So I think if Neiman Gracie, you know, wins the Bellator tournament, welterweight tournament, which you know he's already getting pretty close, I mean, we could potentially be talking about one of the greatest welterweights right now as Neiman Gracie. That's fair enough. Yeah. Would you pick up yeah. on anything you
0: are talking about? I actually forgot that uh, if he beats Rory he automatically becomes champion. And then on top of that, then he goes to the finals and where's the million dollar prizes. Yeah. 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 So uh wow, yeah, I forgot that that was in the cards. But uh yeah, he he was really calm yesterday when we talked. And uh we asked him, like, well, how do you feel about the comments that Rory made and everything? And he's just like, that's none of my business. Like, I'm just focused on what I'm going to do and we're going to find out.
2: Yeah. I mean, saying Neiman Gracie is comfortable in there or in media, it's, it's, it's like saying a Wayne's brother is not going to be comfortable with entertainment. You know, this is a, a family. He's been seeing this. He's been seeing how people... Compose themselves during training during high level. I mean, I think that he in some ways is groomed for this type of Position in his life. So Hard, I, it yeah. doesn't surprise me at all.
1: All right. So let's transition to the co-main event or As uh, as Chael Sonic called it. He's the main, <laughs> the event, main event and the then encore. Rory and Neiman are uh, the uh, Encore which I thought was a funny way to describe it in, in any case uh, Limalea, let's go to you on this one So it's Chael versus Lioto. Yeah. Fine fight. I love it. I don't really have anything, I, I literally don't have anything bad to say about it, but it's a weird one in the following sense. It's like, uh, Leoto beat the f- previous middleweight champ, Carvalho, in his last mm-hmm. fight, his belt mm-hmm. debut. So now he's fighting in Hawaii, Ch- in Hawaii mm-hmm. right? And so now he's fighting Chael. It's like, okay, but what's really at stake? Now, if you ask them, it's a potential title shot, which Bader kind of poo-pooed. Does this fight need to be a number one contender's fight? For it to be appealing, I actually don't think that it does.
0: No, I don't think so at all. And I, I do think that actually the winner will be the number one contender of this. fight. Do you believe that? I believe so. And you know, I haven't. Uh, Bader, when was the last time that he fought? Bader, or that he returned? Yeah, that the he end defended. of the uh, heavyweight tournament. Well, well, yeah. but that's for the light end. heavyweight, when did he last defend? Oh, Jesus, I don't exactly. So that. that's why I'm yeah. like, I think that that would be actually a really a really cool matchup to see the winner of this. Um, yeah, and and. I was just sorry off on a tangent but it, it's just really funny I ran into Tail in the elevator yesterday and yeah he's cutting weight and everything but we're just standing kind of awkwardly and then he turns to me and he's just looking at me I'm like I mean Lima hello and he's like okay yeah I thought that I thought I recognized you and I'm like yeah I'm going to take your job this Friday because I'm replacing him on the desk right. but Yeah, we like again those two guys. They're veterans of the sport. They're so relaxed, but I think that the winner does it will have a very good argument to be the contender.
1: Is it a fight as a number one like? How do you feel about it being a number one contender fight? I guess is what I'm I I'm
2: totally fine with that. I think that it, it, it's fun either way. I mean, Chael and Bader, that type of rhetoric that he's already established is, is fun. And then w- when did they fight? Lyoto Machida and Bader was 2012 or something like that. Yeah. So then there's they're kind of that rematch story. And I think it's kind of cool for, for Chael's Wikipedia page. You know, look at all of the people that he's fought and adding Lyoto Machita to that is fitting. So I, I think that, yeah, it, it hasn't nice narrative uh, amongst those guys, amongst those, dare I say, senior competitors, and I, I like it.
1: You know, it's funny, since coming to Bellator, he did lose to Fedor, but that was a fight he got. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, oh, he lost to Tito, which was... Well, I uh, thought he tapped Tito. Right. He tapped Tito and then lost, which is, you know, um, what it is. Mm-hmm. But he added Rampage and he added Vanderlei mm-hmm. to his resume during his Bellator campaign. Not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. Not but when you're looking at the Wikipedia names, you're like... Yeah. You know, this was a guy who was fighting Nate Marquardt and Jason Mayhem Miller way back in the day. And now he's got these names on his resume. So um, I guess we'll see how that goes. I don't really have a whole lot to say, but is there anything I'm missing about that fight? It just feels like a fun fight. Two big names. It's a fun fight. I will say this. I'd heard that Chael had a really rough cut. And I heard that um, the amount of media he had to do relative to everyone else was like extraordinary. I
3: mean, when you're the main event, you know.
1: When you're the main event slash encore slash encore main event. Do you, any concerns about like what, like how competitive it might be in the end? Cause you know, I actually asked Leoto. I was like, um, I was like, what food do you like more Brazilian or Japanese? He's like, well, I like both, but like, I like Japanese. And I was like, oh, like, you know, we were talking about different foods, like yeah. sushi. He's like, no, no, I can't eat sushi. He's like, there's sugar in the rice. So I don't eat anything like that. Like the dude is just so yeah, meticulous. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like Chael's probably that way. You know what I mean? Uh, especially if he's having the weight cut issue. Yeah. So what do you think?
3: I think as far as like, you know, he made it the way the guy's a pro and he something that people need to respect is that he always shows up. Yeah. You know, he signs a contract and he's going to show up and he's going to fight. He's willing to fight people on short notice. He doesn't care. So we're going to get a, a very competitive chill. Does and, it matter if he loses for his career? For his career? No, I, I don't think so because I feel like he's established a brand where it doesn't depend on, depend on, on wins and losses. I think if he just loses, then then maybe. Um, but he has picked up some wins, as you mentioned. And also, we have to see how competitive it is. If, you know, if it's a close decision, it, it'll be a completely different look than if it is, you know, a first-round knockout. Um, but I think if he does look good and he manages to beat Lyoto, I mean, th- that that's pretty impressive because Lyoto is, has, you know, he is part of, like, the senior league that that we talk about, but he's preserved his body, as you mentioned. He's been a martial artist since day one. Like, if you look at the open workouts, he was ripped. He was he, he looks in great shape. Um and he, that's a very competitive Lyoto Machida. So, I mean, he just beat the, you know, former Bellator champion. So if he beats Lyoto Machida, man, that's, that, 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 that's big.
0: And Chill's an entertainer, you know. Yeah. Like you said, he's established a brand that doesn't necessarily depend on his fight record. Uh, it depends more on what comes out of his mouth, you know. Mm-hmm, and either. so that's why I don't think that any of the media obligations or anything affected effect, is affecting him Uh. I guess we're, we're similar in the sense where we actually enjoy doing that kind of stuff, you know, and, and I I kind of do like to distract myself fight week. Um, so I think that he might be similar in that regards, and it's it's not going to affect his fight.
1: Fighter now. question, how much do you think Chill's game plan alternates between a Fedor and a Lyoto? I got the feeling that probably a little bit, but not much.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Lyoto definitely has the speed factor on him, and, uh, you know, he's notorious for his wrestling uh, or his takedown defense. So, yeah, I would say that it will be definitely a different game plan.
1: All right, we'll have to see. <laughs> now, here's the one that, I to, to me, is the most interesting fight on the card. I, I, I don't even think there's a close second, to be honest with you. I, mean, I guess the, uh, the main event, Encore, is pretty interesting. But to me, Kyoji Horiguchi and Darian Caldwell, mm. you could make a legitimate argument if you really wanted to that the winner of that's the best bantamweight in the world. Again, I'm not suggesting to you it's outright true, but it's not it's not a uh, outrageous statement to make. Especially if Horoguchi wins, given he already beat Caldwell. And um, Josh Gross of The Athletic did a poll on Twitter, and he was asking various people, who's the best Japanese fighter of all time? And some people say Kazushi Sakuraba. I would argue that the case for Kyoji Horoguchi is much stronger. Um, So, Phoenix, with that in mind, the stakes of this one, is it, you heard my claim. Mm -hmm. My claim is, I, I don't... After what Cejudo did, I'm going to put him number one because that's pretty goddamn impressive. Yeah. On the other hand, what really is on the line here? What does the winner get aside from the Bellator belt with a, a, a victory on Friday night?
2: It gets a conversation that you just brought up. Because of the fact that it was a co-promotion, co-branding type yeah. of thing in the first place, this is going to set up that question, is DC from Bellator, could he hang with Cejudo? How does this go? This is going to set up a, a very big question that's going to get a lot of people talking. Will that prompt the UFC to do a little bit of that co promoting type of thing? I have no idea. But I think that it does set up a lot of questions in people's mind, and it gets a lot of attention. Because now Suhudo's getting all this attention, and people are gonna say, Well, who's this DC kid? Well, who's Horaguchi? Or where was he? Or what's risen? You know, because remember, we have this distinct difference between who watches Bellator and who watches the UFC. So the UFC's brand sort of goes into, you know, fans that like martial arts, fans that like violence, and of course, people who are into pop culture, and the UFC is very pop culture. Bellator, their type of competitive edge is that they want to stay with these true fight fans, which is why they're on DAZN and things like that. So getting people to start talking that are a fan of Risen, of Bellator, of UFC is the real thing that's very cool here.
3: I think the the, conversa- the, the interesting part about this conversation is that usually when we consider who is the best bantamweights are the champions, right? Sure. The champions of each uh, organization, say Ryzen, Bellator, UFC, etc. The list goes on. Um, The only problem is that we never get like clear conclusions to this conversation is because you rarely see champions versus champions. I'm talking about from other promotions fight each other. So it's really all opinions, right? But once you start doing cross promotion, now things get interesting because if Horiguchi beats Caldwell, especially a second time, he beat the champion of another another promotion. Henry Cejudo can't say that. No, and
1: he gets to wear the belt. Exactly. And has to defend it once a he year. He becomes a champ yeah.
3: champ, but within the same weight
1: class. It's uh, To me, yeah. I think it's amazing. Here's why. Because this is the genius of what Scott Coker and um pulled off. So let's say Horaguchi wins, right? Cleanly. Like, not, there's no controversy about it. He wins. Yes, he's a Ryzen fighter. And yes, that's the majority of his work will be over there. But he's wearing the Bellator belt. He is contractually obligated, if he wins, to defend it once a year. Scott wins. I'm not saying no matter what I think he'd rather have Darian win because he's the native guy. Mm-hmm. You still get the Bellator champ services while adding this prestige of this larger world title in play. It's it's low key kind of brilliant, I have to be honest. What do you think? Yeah,
0: Scott is a brilliant guy and uh yeah, this actually makes me really excited because obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of talk and debate about cross promotion world championship. Title Bouts. So um, I think that this will also open up a lot more doors for fellow world champions. Mm-hmm. Uh however, would I would that mean that I would necessarily want to fight in Japan, uh possibly, you know, against their champion if they ever had one?
1: In a ring? Not
0: yeah. Not mm-hmm. really. Especially after talking to Darien yesterday. Um it was just an entirely different experience, not only just the ring, which I actually think was obviously an advantage for um, Haryuchi and, and huge clear disadvantage for, for Darren, but I think just... Getting used to a new promotion. Being in a different country that doesn't have bathtubs for you to cut weight in, you know. And He
1: said he had a hard time finding food.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, like learning the train system to get around. Like just all these little things. Like even even the amount of time that the promotion uh, expects you to be there before the fight. Mm-hmm. Like he, something like they had him there 10 hours before the fight, you know. Whereas uh, with Bellator, we get there two hours before. So um, just, you know, all these kinds of little things are I, th- I personally think definitely add up and contributed to maybe an off night for Darren. So
1: But Horiguchi yeah. is not unaccustomed to the American style of MMA. stuff. So what yeah. are you expecting from him? Do you think this is going to trip him up? He actually told Danny yeah. he prefers the he cage. He
0: prefers the cage, yeah, because then he, uh, it's easier for him to use the cage to yeah, climb up. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I was like, and, and majority of his fights were actually in a cage, yep. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, Darren's going to have his work cut out for him. Um, but again, this is going to be an exciting matchup, and I think we will open up a lot more conversation and doors for for cross promotional.
1: You do you do a lot of training in California. Do you ever yes. cross paths with Darian?
0: We do actually. We uh, he actually came to you know I do my underwater training. Yep. Uh, he came out with uh, some of the guys from his team with Dominic Cruz and um, Jeremy Stevens, Miles Jury. They all came out to the pool a couple weeks ago, and and we put them through some badass shit but you
1: never like uh, you never wrestled with him or anything. No, like
0: that, no, no 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 just just in the pool
1: okay fair <laughs> enough uh, this is the thing i want to focus on a little bit more it's uh there's a guy on twitter he goes by the name of smoogie he is uh he's got an interesting personality he knows a lot about the game he actually made an interesting point we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, so i don't want to focus on it but i want to bring it up which is you've got scott Coker and bellator and you've got sakaki Barra and ryzen for a while there, the alliance had kind of gone cold, nothing was happening, and now this heated it up a little bit, where you've got this, they're coming together, and in the process, they're creating something larger than each organization by itself could do. Meanwhile, you've got the strawweight title with the UFC being given to Wiley Zhang, who is a fine competitor, but let's be real about it, she's getting the title shot because it's in China. I mean, <laughs> that's, just, that's that's the answer to that question, which kind of demeans it a little bit uh like they're going provincial while one is kind of going global now again the ufc is a, is the powerhouse in this ball game let's be very clear about it i have to say though i people are like oh will this make the ufc cross promote no but it might make everybody else get a little bit more willing if you can stage the right deal anybody feel like this could do that or am i overstating things
3: i, I think it could i mean it, it sets up anytime you do something new it creates the possibility right um and i think i think it does especially maybe not for the UFC, but from other smaller promotions, they might be interested in, for example, we know KSW is very big in, in Europe, right? Uh, they might want some of their champions to be exposed to the American fan base so they can, when they go back, you know, they have some of that American audience. That's what was um, was the, the um, rising uh, president explaining. He was like, yeah, we want to expose, uh, you know, Reina Kubota to the American audience. She's already a superstar in Japan, but let's, you know, reach out to new audiences. And, and that's what this is
1: about. All right. Smart business. Uh, so then let's move to the uh, the last fight I care the most about. There's some other good fights on this card, to be clear. Uh, it's Aaron Pico. Back at the scene of the crime. This is where he uh, made his debut. It did not go well. He has had a couple of... Um, it's He either is, he's feast or famine, man. He's out there blowing the doors off Leandro Igo or... You know, to the p- to the point you made. You know, um, he's losing the furniture salesman. It, it's like uh, he can't quite figure it out. And the thing is, I don't. I've I felt that he had a lot of ability, but I didn't like his risk management, Ilia Malay. I didn't feel like he was approaching the fight as tactically as he could have. He was more just sort of like, I'm a wrestler. Not that he was wrestling, but that same kind of mm-hmm. you know mentality. And um, he changed teams. Yes. He went with Jackson Wink. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that?
0: Uh, I actually think that it's a good move. I'm not surprised he changed teams. I mean, his uh, entire career, he's kind of been a Jim Hopper. Uh, so, And I think that Jackson Winkler is a good move for him because they are tactical. And like you said, in his last fight, he was not being tactical. He was just being stubborn. I'm going to, oh, you want to trade blows? All right, I'm going to do it. And then he got knocked out. So I think that this is going to be a really good move for him career-wise because uh, we all know Jackson Winkler them have the best game strategies in the business. So... Yeah, I I think it was a good move overall for him.
1: Did he take the fight too soon? Here was the one thing I completely agree Mm -hmm. because John Jones was throwing spinning elbows on YouTube and then he got with Jackson Wink and now it's very, very, very... I won't say careful, but considered. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. But then he didn't take any time off. He just went to like... It took another fight. Too much too soon? It might be... uh, I I actually asked him
3: that same question. He's like, look, it's not like I had to go there and get in shape and then start learning. I got there in shape. I didn't have to, you know put in several weeks just to get in shape. I already got there and I started learning from day one and he's been out there for seven weeks now. So, um, it's not that long, it's not that long, but also like when you're Aaron Pico, somebody that learns like, like that, you're young and, and and you're, you know, super skilled. And and, you know, you, you have a huge background in just combat sports, like a huge base to build on already. Um, I think it might just work for him. It that's, might just work for him.
2: That's what I was going to say. I think that he has all the skills. The problem has been his ring generalship and his fight mm-hmm. IQ in a lot of ways. And now he'll have— an extra set of eyes that's very meticulous to help him with that. So I think he has all the skills, but now he'll have the strategy and a way to string everything together with this type of very meticulous type of coaching. And I don't think that you need a long time for that, especially if you're somebody who's groomed as an athlete that picks up material right away. I mean, watching somebody like, I'll use GSP for an example. I used to watch Phil Nurse give GSP like a move and he had it it's something that would have taken me maybe 10, 15 tries. GSP would just like have it. and, yeah, and we're
1: not talking about we're not talking about individual technical mastery. We're talking about uh, bearing your 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 mental bearing in a contest. Well, that I don't know. You can just fix that in seven weeks. I have a hard time believing maybe that.
2: Maybe it is the next step to it because like what we what we do a lot is we we criticize somebody so early on in their career when the, the first stages really are about learning and growing. It's unfortunate that you're learning and growing in Bellator, which is one of the bigger organizations. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's like getting a Grammy, your first album in a lot of ways, and then a lot's expected of you. But we criticized him when he fought the furniture salesman's, right? And then we criticize him when he takes super big fights and, and opponents like this dude who, you know, what was his last fight? It was a huge flying knee or something. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. he's he's really it's a tough guy to fight. But when, where does he get to grow? Where does he get to learn? Where does he get to 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 take on these new challenges, you know, it's hard to say.
3: I would say that's my biggest concern in this matchup. It's not really the fact that he he spent you know not enough time at Jackson. Is it the type of opponent he's getting? He's got Adam Boric, who's twelve right. and zero. And right. if you look at his his actual fights, the dude's super dangerous he's on the ground, very good, and he's yeah. super dangerous on the feet as well. So it's just like I know. For a fact that he has picked up new tricks, uh, I, mean, I know he's a better fighter, you know, from moving to to Albuquerque and training with Jackson Wink. He, he must have picked up good stuff. But you want to try that on somebody that's a, just about your same level of experience, maybe a little higher, but not, you know, a lot higher like Adam Borch. That's my only uh, concern.
2: Well, then game. I'll ask you this, guys. Do you think that he should have brewed a little bit and done maybe like an LFA or CFFC first before he jumped into Bellator. Should he have had two years and a little bit more of like the minor leagues before jumping into? I think there's
1: in my judgment. There's no question he should have. These really? guys, yeah, because I mean, if you look at the other prospects in Bellator like Ed Ruth, like coming
3: up, they all got Ed Ruth good. is one of the
1: top ten best wrestlers in college history. Mm. That's way different. Way Still, okay, different.
3: just okay. Dylan Dennis. anybody I name, any other prospect. So here, here's the problem. They've
1: gotten certain type of
3: matchmaking that Aaron Pico is
1: not getting. So here's the problem with this: it's that. Um, so for example, Valerie Lareda is fighting this girl, the Hooters I girl. I can't. Okay, here's here's the, the problem. Bellator is getting is getting hammered for it, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But on the same time, it's like, dude, if you go to regional shows and you look at a fighter, one and zero versus zero and one. It's about what it looks like. Right. This is about what. The only problem is they're trying to put it on a national stage, and so it just gets a little complicated because of the visibility. I don't blame them for that. So the, well, there's one part where the fighter gets like kind of criticized because it's like you saw Jake Hager against, you know, uh, your local butcher, uh, <laughs> and people are like, "Why are you fighting?" You know, this guy. That's what happens. So that's one problem. The other problem is that, dude, like, you got to figure out who you are. You got to figure out all the mistakes. You got to be able. When you fight on a lower-level organization and you work your way up, what I have noticed, and maybe you feel differently, but what I have noticed is you're, you can get away with mistakes that you can then correct. But if you jump to Bellator, even when they try to, like, adjust and game plan or um, match make on a curve, there's only so much of a curve you can get. This, this guy, Adam Borks, bro, there's no curve on this one. Like, this is a super tough fight. Now, he's got how many fights in his career at this point? Five or something? Um. um six, so five, whatever. So yeah. this is six or so. So it's a little bit different now. But I just feel like you got to be able to like put things slowly together over time. And people are like, "What about John Jones? Jesus, you mean maybe the greatest fighter ever? Okay, <laughs> he can skip it."
2: But there are people who who have have had like spotty records and then have completely elevated themselves to the point where they're champions. I mean, look at Dustin Poirier or Anthony Smith or, e- Anthony yeah. Smith or even Aljamain Sterling. He's has his wins and his losses as well. He and look at on the, the trajectory. Shows first. That's true. But the trajectory really says that like how many sh- how many fights do we expect them to have before they're at their certain level of mastery before they can move completely up the ladder and it's like god are we promoting them too fast when they're just still so young i mean that it's it it, it really poses a lot of questions for me
1: the, the issue is ufc does it too right they got yeah. Sage and then he didn't turn into what they wanted to so they kind of let sure. him go and he gets his face shattered which was awful yeah they're doing it with greg hardy they got this guy, Dmitry Somolikov, who, who did he throw a punch in his last fight? I don't even know if he did. Now his next fight is different. He's facing uh Juan Adams. Okay, that's a very legitimate fight. Fine. But you, you you here's the problem. These promotions, and I get it, they're trying to get the next star, so they're just grabbing wherever they can. Some guys pan out, some don't. But once you get pulled into the organization, it's a different, it's a different um, it's a different orbit than if you're at a regional show. Yeah. And,
0: and you know, I, I feel like I was very fortunate because uh, I think my case was a little different that we were creating an entirely new division. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not as if, you know, with Aaron Pico, their their division is already established. It's already pretty deep. But the women's flyweight when we created it three years ago uh, was brand new. So, yes, I was being matched up with girls of the same skill or the same experience level as I was, same skill level. Um, And then I didn't really get that jump up until, what, my seventh or eighth fight against Valerie Letourneau. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, but I think that my case was different just because it was a brand new division. Everyone
1: grew together.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, All right, I've been... When I knew you were coming on the show, I've been mm-hmm. saving this question. Let's turn the page here, if we can, a little bit to UFC 238. Oh. Let me start with you on this one. I have yeah. to. Pardon me, y'all, because this was the most important one. Mm-hmm. Did you see what Valentina Shevchenko yeah. did
0: to poor Jessica I did. I? I did on, uh, but just the brief video clip, yeah. I didn't. No I wasn't able. Yeah, the highlights. Sorry. The brief video You don't clip. need to
1: see much more <laughs> yeah. than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys are both in the same division, else. obviously mm-hmm. totally different organizations. And again, I don't think there's any cross promotion there. I would love to get your sense of what you what you saw there.
0: Uh, well, I saw a head kick knockout. It looked pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jessica, I was completely splayed out. Like, she looked dead. Um, was I surprised, though? Not really. Like, I think, yeah, Jessica likes to dip in a lot and, and um, has that brawler style. So I wasn't super surprised. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw the tweets going out about, oh, uh UFC, is it San Antonio, needs a main event. Yeah. And so, potentially, Shevchenko versus my teammate, Liz Carmouche. Yeah. That was an option. Um, a lot of people are really confused because Liz is already slated to fight Mataferi on that car. I'm yeah. flying out to corner her for that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, obviously, if if they want to change it and have her uh, rematch Shevchenko, uh, you know, she actually beat Shevchenko, gave her her first loss in 2010, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Um then yeah, we're all for it. And uh, so when we started speaking about this cross-promotional stuff, I was like, potentially, mm. like in an ideal world, potentially me and Liz could actually fight each other, mm. which has always been, people have always asked, what is your dream fight? And I'm like, oh, Liz Carmouche." Like, we we just have this weird, uh, we're very, very close. We call each other sister wives. And we're like, oh, we'll totally fight each other. Mm. So Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So
1: what's the key to beating Valentina Shevchenko?
0: Uh, the key to beating her, I feel like if her and Liz did fight, then, I mean, Liz is physically the most uh, insane athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, obviously, Valentina is very strong herself, but Liz is, like, man-strong. She ragdolls guys at our gym all day. Like, she she has to go and spar guys from other gyms because she's, there's nobody at our gym that, uh, the guys included, that um, she just doesn't manhandle. So... Um, you know, I think if, if Liz kind of just sticks to her takedowns on her games and, and as, if she gets on top, she can finish her ground and pound. Hmm. Yep. All right.
1: Um, any comment about Valentina Shevchenko, just to follow up here, what you saw and then what should be next for her in that division? It looks like Caitlin Shukegin wants to smoke, but they I don't know if they're going to give it to her. Liz Carmouche was... Um, Potentially one, although at the last second I saw before the show that that idea has cooled off. Apparently, they're not going to do it, or they meant they're likely not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit unclear. about what the path is forward? What do you think?
2: As a fight nerd, and I who started with Muay Thai, God, I love her. I just love everything that she does. I think watching her is watching striking mastery as far as rhythm changes and just. Like I'll just move this much and be out the yeah. way and hit you back, like just that much. I mean, she's super just super efficient, right? Yeah, it's, she's amazing. I do like the Caitlin idea because um, you know Caitlin has a karate background. I think she's a purple belt in BJJ. She 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 could be an interesting stylistic matchup for Valentina, but I just don't see anybody beating Valentina right now at I this think time. She's actually a black belt uh, in, in in get? BJJ. In. yeah yeah. Uh, last time I saw her, it was a purple. That's how long it's been. I've been in. She Sorry, use it much, but yeah. but yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think it might. Be the problem for me
1: with you, is that she's decent at making the contact, mm-hmm. but like,
0: Power-wise. Shevchenko
1: ate Nunez's punches. Like, Cyborg yeah. couldn't yeah. even. Shevchenko, Shevchenko can like roll with him a little bit, and that was the it was just enough of a deterrent to put her at the end. Sure. Plus, you know, um, uh, Nunez is real rangy. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, man, she's gonna march you down. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm worried about it. What do you think? Yeah, it's, t- it's tough,
3: man. Valentina's like so good, so skilled. Do you like the Carmouche idea?
0: Um yeah. Liz, beat Liz beat Chikagian. Yeah. Um, right.
3: Yeah. In New York, I believe, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, was that
1: was the last New time York. I was here, yeah,
0: actually. Yep. That,
3: that's an interesting fight because I feel like Valentina off her back, we know that Amanda Nunez had some success, but we know she can also be dangerous off her back, mm. uh, submitting, obviously, um, Pena. Juliana Pena. Yeah. So Carmouche, we know she's also very skilled in jiu-jitsu, very strong, as you mentioned. Uh, good ground pound. F- yeah, pounds. good ground and pound. So I feel like if the fight does
1: go to the ground, it gets very, very interesting. What's all right, so here's the one I really want to come off of uh, with the UFC 238 leftovers. It's Tony Ferguson. So we had... Let me set this up. This is the world as I see it, Danny. Tell me if I'm missing anything, because mm-hmm. I might be. I've slept, like, not much. Oh, I'm,
3: <laughs> Yeah, I haven't slept much, so maybe yeah.
1: our view... It, were you, you guys keep us in check. Were, okay. you, were you feeding a six-week-old at three in the morning? Because uh, no. I was. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's what I see. What I see is they wanted to potentially run back the Ferguson-Saroni fight. But in reality, I don't think there's a strong case for it, in part because the second round was not close, and you could tell which tide the the, the fight was turning. Um, the thing about the late punch seems to me not a terrible point, but not enough. Uh, and then Tony gets on the press conference, and I was like, Tony, no. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we can run it back. I'm like, oh, God, Tony, don't do that. What I think they want to do is I've set it weeks ago on this show conor mcgregor knows he can't get the next fight with habib but conor mcgregor's next fight might be with habib they're gonna let habib and dustin fight now dustin might go in there and play andy ruiz to that division and just spoil the whole thing with the top three but let's say he doesn't and let's say habib wins they are gonna make a conor fight and tony despite being what were you doing in 2012 elimele what were you doing
0: uh, I was in college. I was in my okay. like senior
1: year. He hasn't lost since then. Tony Ferguson hasn't lost since you were in college. And they're not going to give him a title shot. Tell me I'm wrong. What am I missing?
3: You're, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, you're crazy. No, <laughs> like, like everything.
3: Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous at this point. Like, what else do you need to do? He's already, once he becomes champion, like, let's say, you know, Habib beats Poria and he's the guy to beat Habib. Literally, he's cleared out the entire division. I mean, there might be, like, one or two guys left to fight. But his body of work, his road to the title has just been fighting all these top contenders, which is pretty pretty crazy. Um, I'd love to see that guy get a title shot. Okay, I think but that's what am the I right missing? thing to do. I think they're going to skip him. Yeah. I, I think, you know, money talks. And I feel like if the UFC does reach an ag- agreement with Conor McGregor, because there are a lot of, you know, things they got to iron out. Sure. You know especially with this new ESPN deal that kind of switched things around for them. But if they do manage to come to an agreement and it
1: makes sense, yeah, for sure, Tony Ferguson is going to get skipped. Can you imagine having to fight for seven years and not getting a title shot by beating, understand what the streak is here, 12 wins, nine stoppages, so only three of those went the distance. Mm -hmm. uh, And of those, you beat the winningest fighter in UFC history, in Donald, uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You stopped... And and uh, no, you defeated uh, Rafael dos Anjos, former champion. You stopped former champion uh, Anthony Pettis and left a trail of blood along the way. And he's probably not going to get a title shot. Is there any way to articulate that kind of frustration? Uh,
0: do they just not like him? Like <laughs> like is it a known thing that like Dana doesn't like Tony or I don't think, well, I don't think that's, I've never heard anything like no, that. No, I think they
1: do. I just think that Conor. He's well, such I an Tony
3: himself said on, in, during that fight week, he said, "Me, and, you know, I'm gonna try to be Dana's friend. Me and Dana are not friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not my boss. I work for the company. Yeah. There's definitely something there. And Dana has had comments here and there that Tony Ferguson brought up that were sort of negative in the media. And, and I'm not throwing here any any sure. new news. This
1: is just stuff that's out there. So. You think I'll get it do you think I'm uh, do I have too jaundiced of a worldview? No,
2: no. I mean, there were opportunities. How many times did the Khabib fight fall out? We that's have true. To, no, the, they like haven't, it's it's yeah, they've uh, tried to make uh, I sometimes I look at it and that's I'm like, true. is it is it like acting, is it like casting? This person's available, this person's not available. A little this bit. is where we're located. I mean I that has a lot to do with it, which is why sometimes I look at the rankings as like a gauge but not really a law. And that's how it seems to be. But I also, I do remember a lot of these fights falling out, and that has yeah. a bit to do with it. But at this point, if he's healthy and ready to go and it doesn't happen, I feel like it's like criminal. Like How can he not get that opportunity? And then I look at other factors, I'm like, it, what don't I know? Is it really a Connor thing? Or are they expecting GSP to come back? Is that another factor, GSP right. Khabib? Is that That's like true. another big super fight? Do super fights trump all? Uh, do we just love Ferguson and we want We don't care who he fights? I mean, it, I think there's a lot of factors in here, but God, it just makes me sad to think that that fight that was supposed to happen a thousand times isn't going to happen.
1: Here's my thought on this. I don't know if the timeline will work up, uh, but I, I was thinking about this and I was like, what is a way they could not give Tony a title shot and the fans would not at all rebel? Here's my scenario. And again, I don't know if it works out this way. Let's say September, Habib beats Dustin, Right. Again, I don't know that it will happen, but let's just posit a scenario where it happens. And then they do Habib versus Connor 2 sometime in the fall as your main event. Your co-main event is Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. I don't think that there's a... Per- People might go, oh, well, he should get a title shot. Here's my money. I think everybody would shell out in a scenario like that. You might, you might be mad that he's not getting the title shot but that is so tantalizing where you had the most violent man against MMA's weirdest violent man <laughs> and I say that I say it complimentary against Connor and Habib too the biggest fight in MMA history.
2: I hate Connor and Kabib too. I do, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just don't care. Why do we care?
1: Because I the don't donks, care the Donks who watch Stephen A Smith love that idea. Uh,
2: I, I okay, think. I want to see Connor fight again yes, but I want to see something in, that's a cooler stylistic matchup to me.
1: Let me ask you this. How competitive did you think that fight was?
0: Uh, That was not competitive. He got his ass kicked.
1: Yes, thank you. (laughs) When I say that, when I say that, they're like, oh, you don't know shit. I'm like, okay, I'm not saying, but I mean, I have a little bit of an idea. Yeah, this idea that like meritocratically, they should run that back because something wasn't clear about it. What was unclear about it? He got controlled and then his back taken and then?
2: The things that make me the most heated, and thank God this is no longer in, in conversation, but Brock Lesnar and Conor McGregor—the two conversations that just uh, that feel like a bikini wax to me sometimes.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know what that means, <laughs> other than to say painful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, never had one of those mercifully. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple more topics I want to get to while we still have the time. Let's do this. Uh, let's talk about Andrade's title shot. I alluded to it earlier. Yeah. She had a hell of a win over Rose Namajunas, where she was just getting tuned up, and then she just said Hulk Smash, and that was that. So I thought, okay. We knew that on the horizon, Tatiana Suarez was going to fight Nina Ansaroff. Uh, But then she, well, she beats Nina Ansaroff, but I had her on my show, what day is it today? Thursday? I had her on like Tuesday. And she tells me that this is the first time her neck has been injured since the neck retired her wrestling career. By the way, if the injury gets worse, paralysis is a legitimate risk here, just so everyone knows that. And I'm like, well, wow. I mean,
3: she said she didn't have feeling on her on one of yeah, her arms, yeah, you and, get and a bit. Yeah.
1: But she didn't tell you uh, you guys this. If you hear the interview I did with her, she actually added, up up the ante. She lost feeling in her face. That's she scary. lost feeling in her face. So <laughs> she was like, I'm gonna figure out what's up with all of this first before I went out. So she's out. Okay, fine. But then I could I could have sworn, Phoenix, it was gonna be uh, Michelle Waterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Phoenix she just push. got run over because they're gonna go to China. So what's the right call to go to China and then give? I would say, who's a very, very good Chinese, a good fighter, period, but obviously a top Chinese talent in Wai Lijiang. Is that the right call, or is the right call to give somebody who's been a company woman, who, by the way, is represented by WMEIMG and Michelle Waterson, was it right to uh, pass her over?
2: Um, so like, I'm going to go back to the casting thing, location, demographics, that the rankings seems to be a gauge, not a law type of thing. I think maybe if this fight was in Albuquerque or California, maybe we'd see Michelle Waterson. Um, I think she is really impressive. She doesn't have what? What's um, the record for for the Chinese fighter? It's like, like nineteen in a run. row, yeah, and like thirteen of those fights are stoppages, which is kind of rare and for she that division. You just beat Tisha Torres. You which know, is legit. beat Tisha Torres. So I think that like, I think it's a, it's not a wrong fight. I just feel like we feel bad for Michelle. I mean. I, th- I think if we're looking at the rankings you would say Yun Jae c- check but nobody really wants to see that again. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I watch that girl's the that girl's uh, uh like footage and she makes me want to go to the gym. Like she is impressive. Yeah. So you know, just being a little martial arts nerdy about it, I don't necessarily have a problem with it and I think that Waterson is in the mix anyway. So maybe she gets skipped over here, but she's coming into
0: this mix anyway. Yeah, and I, I really liked um, how Watterson has been pushing for this title shot sure. as well. Um, you know, she said, like, look, I've put in my time. I've been doing this sport for, you know, X amount of years. I've been fighting the top fighters in the world. Like, I've put in my time. Mm-hmm. I deserve this shot, which I totally agree with. You know, I I, I think uh Wiley has only one fight with the UFC, correct? Three. Oh, I'm sorry, three. three fights with the UFC. Um, but yeah, I, I agreed with I agreed with Michelle. However, I agree with Phoenix that I'm not mad that Wiley's getting the shot because I think she's incredible. I was yeah. so impressed with her uh fight against Tasha Torres. So I, I'm not mad at it, and I I do agree that Michelle is 100 percent still in the mix. It's happen. Let me stick
1: with you. Yeah. Let me stick one more time with her. When when they come to you with fights, like how does it work because you're the champion.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: do they tell you like which contenders are you thinking about, or do they just come to you and say, "Hey, what do you think about this? Yes or no?" How does it work for you?
0: Both. I mean, um like they ask me in interviews and on the mic, who do you think is next?" and i'll I'll give several names and then, um yeah, you know, based on uh, the demographics and based on who's available, then they'll be like, all right, what do you do you want uh, what do you think of this this opponent at this date in this location? you ever said no. No, I've actually—the only fight I've ever said—oh, well, not as champion. This was just, like, years ago. The only fight I ever said no to um, was—it was, like, a two-week notice replacement. Okay. Um— and I was, like, coming off of a breakup and crazy. I'm like, yes, I want it. And then my coaches are like, no. But you've never, you've never
1: been like, well, this contender deserves it more than this contender as champion?
0: No, because, um, yeah, I think I think Rich them and, and Scott then, they know what they're doing. And they know what they want. So, yeah, I've, I haven't disagreed with them.
1: Okay. Danny, what do you think?
3: Yeah, th- this was a weird fight because I feel like M- Michelle Waterson, you know, um, has heritage right from Thailand, right? Her mom is, is from there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and is also, she? Yeah, she's half.
2: Yeah. She's half time and also
3: it's it's weird in the sense of you can put that i mean what was a fight that was uh, recently didn't Ganu headline a, a fight card in, in China who
1: in oh Ghanu? against Curtis Blades yeah
3: so and that had nothing to do with with China itself like these guys are not from China so I don't know why why, why they just couldn't have Waylon on that card, like saying the Coleman event marquee matchup, uh, and kind of set her up as the next thing. If obviously Tatiana Suarez, we don't know what's going on with her. Um, so it, it was a weird decision. And look, the bigger fight is with Watterson. Yeah. And it's not like the Conor McGregor situation where, you know, Watterson is just the bigger name. Watterson has also been putting a body of work and also has... Uh, you know, legit skills that can get post, you know, interesting challenges to,
0: to Andrade. Well, a more yeah. known yeah. competition. And, and I was surprised too because she has been getting uh, a really big push as of lately. Like she was on the Joe Rogan podcast. She's been doing a bunch of stuff for the uh, for the UFC. So yeah, I, I was surprised that I, I really thought she was going to be the next one. So
1: she was in v- being quite vocal then Dana White was like, nah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> how do you know? Anyway, then, again, here's one thing I'll say about Tatiana Suarez. I don't know when she's coming back. Yeah. um i think people are like oh she'll figure this out in six months she'll be back no. i would not be surprised if it's way longer than everyone thinks I, I, I hope that's not the case no. but the best stuff she was telling me it's not good so you
3: can't put a timeline on that you gotta make sure you're good you know whatever time it takes just make sure you might good. have to get neck yeah. surgery
1: you know, yeah. i mean there might be all yeah. kinds yeah. of stuff she has to get you ever like if you ever lost um your paralysis
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, uh, this this injury happened years ago before my first Ducati fight, and I got I got dumped on my head, totally lost feeling in my arms, and then fought on that, and it's been plaguing me every single fight camp, and then, so, that's why I do take a long time off after my fights. I take, like, six weeks off just to try and heal my body, and, of course, the first day I go into the gym after this last fight, it instantly blows up, but um, it's just a stinger. I don't think it's as... as uh, intense as Tatiana's injury, Mm -hmm. Um, but it does force me to, like, all right, I just got to sit back.
2: Yeah, I have two compressed vertebrae in my cervical spine, so those, they affect nerves, so, like, I'll have numbness and tingling running down these two fingers on both sides of my arm, Mm -hmm. and the worst part is that it affects your grip. Like, you just be holding something, and then you just drop it, break a glass. Like, it affects your grip, so with, you know, if you're working jiu-jitsu, you're, like, all of a sudden, why is my hand... No, just not working. so it it takes a lot. They do a lot of decompression therapy that to help the spine, like you'll hang your neck and release your your cervical spine and things like that. And then there's a lot of, a lot of rehab, prehab work that you have to do, and that takes a good amount of time. But the awesome part is that the performance center, the PI, might really be a good thing for anybody in the UFC to just take advantage of every single thing that they have to offer. And that might she might come back faster because of that. Yeah.
0: If you're in Vegas. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. The yeah. The other part, though, is like with her style of wrestling, which is super like using intense, her head. You know, yeah. yeah uh, that one. that is yeah, sure. that's a tough one. I so, mean,
2: Pat Militage can't move his head. He's like the Michael Keaton Batman. He's like when yeah, you talk chem- to him. I had a You're chemistry Romero. teacher. Awesome.
1: Yeah. I had a chemistry teacher uh, like that, and uh, he couldn't turn, so he had to like do it from the waist. <laughs> you know, it was a weird thing. Um, all right, so one more of these, and then we'll get to uh, the last topic. But the first one before that is Chris Weidman spoke to the media at UFC. 230, was the last one, 238, yes? Yes, he did. And uh, he says, I'm going to 205, gonna jump up, gonna gonna see what uh, opportunity is up there. Danny, good call, bad call. And based on what you say, tell me why it's one of the two.
3: Excellent call. But I wouldn't say it's a perfect call because this call should have been made years ago. Yeah. Years ago. I'm not saying it's a little too late because (coughs) I think, you know, I think he has plenty. A fight left in him, and I think 205 might just extend that. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a call he should have made a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, he, and he even said that. He was like, I knew 205 was in the horizon all the time. In fact, my goal was to win the belt, defend it a couple of times, move up to 205, and then super fight with John Jones. Well, we know he lost the belt, uh, so that didn't happen. But he stuck around. Look, I think the sport is moving more and more towards less cutting weight. Mm-hmm. Um We know the dangers of cutting weight. We know it can shorten careers. And I also think, like, when you get to a certain age, like, maybe you can cut weight. Maybe cutting weight is not all that bad when you're young and and you have a very healthy body and brand new in the sense of you haven't been through as much wear and tear, right? But when you've already had such a long career like Chris Weidman, at this point, look, do what's best for your body. And who knows? We've seen Anthony Smith. You know, he wasn't really a big name at 185, moves up to 205. All of a sudden, he's a top contender. It might just do wonders for his career, so I'm really excited to see how he looks. How here. much weight yeah. do you cut?
0: Uh, I cut about twenty pounds throughout the court from like when I begin camp to when I weigh in. Tuesday, is 20 pounds.
1: The Tuesday fight week, how much weight?
0: Tuesday fight week, five pounds. Oh, that's
1: nothing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and so, show.
0: but you know, every single fight that I do, I actually do put on more weight after each fight. So when I first, for my first fight in Bellator, I was walking at 133, like naturally walking at 133. Um, Now I'm walking at like 143. Mm. So I've I've continuously put on weight. Um, And, you know, interviewing the fighters yesterday who are in the middle of their weight cut, uh, you can see just how physically drained they are. Mm-hmm. We were actually making predictions based off of how they seemed, uh, what how their demeanor was, how their physical appearance was uh, when they came in to talk to us because, yeah, there were a lot of guys that were struggling. And, uh, you know, Big John, he was saying that it, the, it doesn't matter if you are bigger than your opponent, if you're the bigger, stronger guy. If the other guy is feeling good from not having to cut all this weight and is all, is faster, has more speed, that's the guy that Big John thinks he's going to win. So mm. yeah, there were there were and there are a lot of uh, there are several fights actually that uh, one guy was coming up for the fight. I think it was the uh, Dudas. Eduardo Dantas. Yeah. yeah, Dudas, and then uh, one more. There's one more, but but anyway. Oh, Horiguchi and Darian, because Horiguchi's Used to fighting at 125, yeah. so yeah, he he wasn't he had like three pounds, and he's just cruising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good call for Chris to go up. Sure, I
2: mean that's the law of adaptations, right? If your your body starts to get conditioned to think that it's dehydrating every single time, it'll try to hold on to as much water as possible. So every time you try to cut weight, it makes it harder and harder and harder for you. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you yo-yo for weight loss, and your body thinks that it's going into some survival type of body. survival mode. So that's why when when you see fighters that used to cut weight. so much weight as a kid and then they go into their later years, they just have more and more of a difficult time doing it. So I think trying to fight closer to your natural weight, especially as you're getting up there in years, are really is the smarter, healthier way to go.
1: I'm going to say that the answer is not an excellent call, but just a reasonably decent one. Here's why. I don't um, hard for me to know how much of a problem solver it is. So I actually spoke to Ray Longo, and he was like, don't get me wrong, the cuts are bad, but they're not terrible for Chris. He can make them. Yeah,
3: he makes them. Now,
1: here's the thing. In any amount of less weight cutting, I mean, 20-pound difference, right? So 185 to 205, I mean, that's a monster jump. To me, there's no way he doesn't derive benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, good call. But in terms of what has ailed him and what has set him back, I do think that middleweight's a little bit hot right now, a little bit younger, so he wants to go over to light heavyweight, which is a little bit older. Although there are some names pushing those people out too, like a Dominic Reyes and so forth, and a, and a Rackage. So I think it'll be beneficial, but you mentioned Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith didn't just change weight classes. He'd been with a new camp for a couple of fights here, and they have really sharpened him up. Like, you can't watch that Gustavson fight and be like, oh, that's the same dude who fought Tiago Santos. Should, yeah. Totally different guy. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is that kind of jump capable where you don't have to put in road work to lose the amount of weight, and you can just focus in on the techniques you can stay healthy and you can work on the the fight plan. Maybe, maybe. But I'm not going to be like, oh, here we go, cure yeah. all. But with someone like Luke Rockhold, those cuts were murdering okay. him. You ever seen Luke Rockhold in person? He's big. He's huge. Yeah. He's enormous. You're like, you make 185? How's that possible? Yeah. By killing himself is the answer. I
3: mean, Wyman's, Wyman's pretty big. He's too.
1: big too, but he's not as big as Luke Rockhold.
3: No, but he's, he's still pretty big. I feel like, and also, he, his career has been also plagued by injuries. He's had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And who knows how much being at a lower fat percentage, you know, and just sure. just doing those weight cuts, how much prone to injury he was then. Maybe he moves, mm-hmm. moves up to 205, and all of a sudden, he's not getting injured, and, you know, he'll perform a lot better. Yeah, sure. and
0: then and also, uh, the hardest cut that I had was obviously when I was injured, and because I just, yeah. I, I, could yeah. be, I could only do treadmill, you know. So, um, that might play a factor, too. Yeah,
1: Certainly it will. To. Although, I just, I think that, like, when we talk about going up, Like Okay, so in the case of, like, there's absolute evidence when you go up, like a Donald Cerrone, hell, you go up, you go down, because he goes back and forth every time he gets, like, a new lease on life. But then you see Kevin Lee go up, didn't do a whole lot for him, at least not this time. Now I guess we'll see how that goes. So to me, it's like you have to imagine what would the reasoning be. Okay, cutting less weight, and again, 185-205, big deal. But what are some of the other reasons that he might be losing? Are those solved by this? That part I'm not as convinced about. But I guess we'll have to see. Um, okay, so the time we have remaining, let's do it. It's our last segment here on this portion of the show, which is Under the Radar. story that just maybe folks didn't pay attention to or it came and it went, and it's worth it of a very brief and quick mention. I don't know if you anybody told you about this.
0: We did, but we kind of talked about it already.
1: Uh, okay, well then hold on. <laughs> we can circle back to you. I'll, I'll... Phoenix, we'll start with you. What is Under the Radar?
0: I went with the feel-good
2: story. All right. Um, Clay Guida... And Diego Sanchez, yes. Hall of Fame, kind of feel-good yeah. story. I think it's I think it's a, a fight earning and deserving of the Hall of Fame. Can I be and honest I know about that? For them.
1: I got no problem with that fight. I think it's great. I have long thought. I guess it's just me. I thought that um, Sanchez versus Parisian has been the much better of the two.
2: That was a fun one, too. But I guess no one agrees. Yeah. Well, it's a way to kind of get Clay Guida in there. And for everything that he's done oh, as well, yeah, fair and point. like fair you point. know, I think that that was a big part of it. That but that was fun. that was fun for me. It was ha- I was happy to kind of watch that, and I would love to see Diego's reaction to it as well. And also
1: one of the few times we watched someone off their back win the grounded pound battle. Oh, that is unusual. Yeah, we'll we'll circle so. back for just a second.
3: What do you got under the radar? So, you know, at UFC 238, we we were discussing how. Not US 230. What I'm talking about, US 237, mm-hmm. where Rose Namajunas, we weren't really sure if he was gonna, she was going to continue her MMA career. Well, her manager um, Brian Butler came out and said that they they were actually thinking about doing an immediate rematch with Andrade. That Rose is very interested in coming back, just not now. She wants to take uh, some time to heal from you know some neck injuries and uh, you know just some time off. But at least we know that she's still in 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 the sport. So um,
1: I thought that was a bit of good news. Uh, UFC San Antonio is 37 days away and there is no main event. Now, as Ely Malay had uh, indicated earlier, they were thinking about doing Shipchenko versus Karmusha on that, but apparently that is falling by the wayside. They were going to move off of 239. 239 is the next one? Yes. Yeah. They were going to move off of that, Rockhold and Jan Blahovic, but they already moved Kane Velasquez. Excuse me. They already moved JDS versus Enganu um, uh, off of that, right? Swiss so fighting? Yeah. Yeah, I can't keep it all straight.
3: To Somewhere.
1: Yeah, they already pulled that fight off. Yeah. So they were gonna bleed it dry and then take the other one off. I guess they decided against that as well. But UFC San Antonio, 37 days away, still has no main event. Uh Siri, show me evidence there's too many <laughs> MMA shows. Okay, just to point that out. Okay. Um anything from the UFC excuse me, anything from the Bellator card this weekend, we didn't talk about that, is yeah. worth a mention.
0: Actually, that was what I was gonna go for. Do. Um I think there's a lot of the girl fights that are flying under mm-hmm. the radar. There is actually uh, three girl fights in my division, 125. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Two 125ers uh, and then one strawweight uh, with another cross-promotional from Ryzen. Uh, Kubota? Reina Kubota. Reina yeah. Kubota, yeah. Um, so I think uh, that that cross-promotional fight has flown under the radar. Heather Hardy. I'm a yep. huge yep. fan of Heather Hardy. Yeah. Uh, she's fighting on Taylor- this card.
2: Taylor, John, T- Taylor something. It's like
0: two first names. Yeah. Taylor Turner. Taylor Turner, Turner. yeah. Uh, Turner's so, not a first name. Yeah, that fight I'm looking forward to. I, I Again, huge fan of Heather Hardy. And then, of course, the Dollar L- Loretta versus uh, the Hooters girl. Sorry. Yeah. But, uh,
1: <laughs> that poor girl. I feel so bad. But, like, if you sign a contract for Beltor Larkin Dash. Larkin, Larkin Dash. Dash. In your Hooters outfit. Out of freaking Hooters. I mean you're just you're begging to be mean, yeah. you know what uh, I
0: mean? Yeah, but uh so I'm really excited for those girl fights on the prelims and you know actually there's there's another car, uh fight that we pulled up from the prelims to the main card. It's uh Ricky Pendez versus uh is it
1: Mix?
0: Patrick Mix? Yes, sense. yeah. Patrick right. and Mix. And Mendejas
1: was the guy who beat uh Gallagher. Yeah. Gallagher, yes. Um
0: that fight is gonna be dynamite. Mm-hmm. And after interviewing those guys yesterday, I'm just you know, I to be totally honest, I didn't know who Patrick Mix was. A lot of people didn't really know about he's this, this kid. He yeah, he's a monster. Uh he trains out with Jackson Wink and yeah. uh yeah, I'm real that's probably one of the fights that I'm looking forward to the most. All right. Um yeah, so they're they're flying under the radar. So honestly, tomorrow's card or yeah, tomorrow's card is completely stacked even the prelim fights are are really good there you go i
1: mean take it from the champion yeah. slash analyst herself yes. how about that all right we got to go we're out of time uh congr- thank you so much for coming through champ we really happening. appreciate it yeah, looking fun. forward to seeing you on the uh DZone broadcast you got so your work cut right. out for you Chail on in big shoes uh so be sure to tune into Belltor bellator 222 uh tomorrow for phoenix for uh elaine mcfarland for girl i'm luke thomas hands up chin down let them fly this is the mma beat